0: That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere.
1: Edwards, three-pointer, it's good!
2: This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country.
0: They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't, um, that we didn't see this year. Personnel
2: issue. I
0: think. I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I. I think. And it again, is. this is this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in, right? But I'm still saying I think
2: this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff. on You his can't. Belt. You can't. It, you cannot whiff with this much talent.
0: And I love Texas Tech. This is home, and I get to stay home.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. And Ish, today we are joined by Jarrett Johnson from Inside the Red Raider, covering Texas Tech for 24-7 sports. Jarrett, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, Thanks for having me. How are y'all doing?
2: Doing good, man. Yeah, doing great. No complaints here. No complaints. Um, off season, we were talking about it right before we started recording. It's the perfect time to get to know all the teams in Texas. And uh, man, Texas Tech is always one of our favorite teams to talk about on this podcast. Just it feels like there's always something. Whether it is you know Chris Beard leaving last year to Mark Adams, and now I mean with the year that they had, twenty seven and ten overall, twelve and six in conference. I forgot they went eighteen and zero at home. Uh, just a tremendous yeah, year. Too. <laughs> tremendous year under uh, Mark Adams' first year. Um, I guess we could start just looking at last year. How would you describe it, recap it, especially the regular season as you got to know Mark Adams and how he is as a coach? Uh,
1: crazy, for one. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, when Beard left, it was insane. You know, he was telling a lot of people close here he wasn't going anywhere, he wasn't going anywhere. And then boom, he left, you know. Um, of course, uh, UT had a very strong inkling that he was going to, to UT. And I mean, fans here in Lubbock just felt betrayed. I know, Matt, you you helped out uh, you know our site yeah. this time last year. and You know how much this fan base has really gravitated to the basketball program uh, and how much it means to, to Red Raider fans. So they felt honestly betrayed, not that he left or went somewhere if he'd gone to North Carolina or the NBA or whatever, everybody been like, Hey, you know, thanks for your time. We love you, but to go to Texas and the way you did. So I think it's important that we start with that, 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 that was the base of going into next year. And then, uh, you know, Darvin Ham, who was just hired by the Lakers, he was interviewed. Um, And then there was a a groundswell of support from former players, coaches in the area, like junior college, junior college coaches in in the area and high school coaches in the area. Uh, Just, fans saying, hire, hire Mac, Mark Adams. He didn't get on the plane. He didn't, because Beard was trying a lot to get Mark Adams to come with him. He had been kind of his defensive coordinator. And Adams, you know, went to Texas Tech, uh, coached here a lot, grew up in the area. Uh, he This was his shot. He, had he This was his dream to be Texas Tech's head coach. So, uh, you know, they Texas Tech made the right choice. Obviously, they hired him. Uh, and then he hit the ground rolling with a great staff, uh, hit the transfer portal, which is a big part of what we, you know, college basketball. Now the transfer portal is just insane. And, uh, yeah. put together a really good team, got some key players like Kevin McCullough and Terrence Shannon to return, somehow put them all together and made this amazing run that fueled by the emotion of all the beard stuff, uh, and having one of their own stay here as the coach, uh, led to an undefeated season, the best first season by any coach in Texas Tech basketball history, and a Sweet 16 run, which I was there in San Francisco. It was going you know, back and forth there to the end when Duke just made more shots. Duke found a, a nice matchup, and to their credit, they were better that night. But Sweet 16 run, competed in the Big 12, undefeated at home, great first season of Mark Adams.
0: I'm wondering, because when when Mark Adams took over – I think everybody was kind of wondering what wrinkles will be different because more or less, we kind of knew that the defense would stay the same. Like you mentioned, um, I believe they were coaching together at McLennan, even Juco, I believe it's like, or, or yeah. I think he, I don't know if he went back there or he was, I know he was on his staff for certain at a little rock. Um, and so, you know, the defense would stay the same, but I remember when they brought in the likes of Kevin O'Banner and uh, Bryson Williams, immediately that my ears kind of perked up at that because i was like those guys don't play for chris beard's team um and so i'm wondering if you kind of noticed the difference too where it was like okay they're willing to go a little bit more stretch big as opposed to you know last uh, two years ago when it was just marco Santos silva in the post um kind of dirty work bigs or maybe even undersized bigs like those uh uh, runner-up team that that runner-up team had you know, did you see kind of the wrinkles of Mark Adams maybe putting more of his touch on things uh, this past year? Because I thought I did it, personally.
1: No doubt. I think uh, you're all over it. Uh, Beard is all about positionless basketball. I don't know if he really still is, but he really preached that all the time. He wanted a bunch of six, 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 seven guys who are interchangeable. And to, to be honest, that goes to Mark Adams' strength, where it switches constantly, uh, you know, his defense, his philosophy. But – he is more traditional, and that he wants more traditional bigs. He he believes more traditional guards, like say a Davion Harmon, who they added this off season. He's not a six six Kevin McCullough point guard. He's more your traditional shifty uh, type of guard. So uh, combo guard, anyways. Uh, so no, he's definitely going more to a traditional defined position rather than positionless basketball that Chris Beard, at least yeah, he was two years ago. So uh, so big on. Him.
2: Yeah, and kind of going off that when they added Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner, Kev- Kevin McCullough go down the list. I had questions of, and even Terrence Shannon returning, I had questions of: Is this team going to be able defensively to play as well as it did in years in years prior? Because Bryson Williams at UTEP was never known as a defender. You know, Kevin O'Banner come from Oral Roberts, so on and so forth, and to still end the year with the best defense in the country is just a- absurd. I I don't really I. I've watched I've watched this team so many times. I, I watched, you know, obviously here at LSU they had a great defense, and just for Texas Tech to sustain it was absurd to me. And so I, I feel like that's something that people are kind of overlooking when talking about Mark Adams. Is um, not only did he win, but he had the best defense in the country last year. Yeah. I mean how how did how did that kind of come about, and what, did that surprise people in any way?
1: I mean. I think just the overall success, yes. Like, I'm surprised that O'Banner and Williams play as good a defense as they did. I'd be lying if if I didn't say that. I mean, but then again, that's what the culture is here. Uh, I wrote a story after the season ended that Mark Adams uh, in this season proved that this culture will endure as long as Mark Adams is here because he was the defensive coordinator for Chris Beard here, Mm -hmm. and that's that's why guys come here. Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner came here to Lubbock into the Texas Tech because they wanted to show on film they can play defense, you know, to get to the next level. And, yeah, I, I never expected both of those guys to, to play as good as they did. And then you mentioned Marcus Santos Silva earlier. He was huge in terms of, like, switching on the perimeter against some of the better guards in the Big 12 and being able to still hold them down, which he was good at that, but he got better. So what they've shown is that they're able to bring guys in, talented offensive players, develop them get them to buy into this philosophy this team first defensive philosophy and it, and it works yeah
0: i want to ask about the the both the texas games because obviously there was a lot of noise going into the the one coming back to lubbock i think everybody had that one circled when chris Beer took the job um especially when mark adams got the tech job and so i'm wondering like obviously there was a lot of uh controversy is the wrong word but a lot of like noise going on about the, the you know texas tech fans all that stuff i thought it was way overblown i thought um mark adams made it clear hell joey mcguire made it clear that like he didn't want certain things to go to happen when you have the football coach even like trying to say something i don't think anything actually did happen or was in, or actually was in d- uh, danger of happening but i think people see raucous students all that stuff they get you know they get nervous but that is that aside To me, I love the idea of having a blood rivalry, like a legitimate, like hatred rivalry. And I think the Chris Beard thing, you know, Texas and Tech already have enough animosity. They don't need any more. The Chris Beard thing added another thing to it. Mark Adams, like you mentioned, not getting on the plane, adds something to it. Terrence Shannon, not going to Texas, like all this stuff. Talk about just like those two games and like what this potentially builds for not only both schools, but the sport in general, because like, in a in a year where Duke and North Carolina, you know that the rivalry was good, but like this was like right there with it. It felt like this particular year. Yeah, Ishmael, man, once again, you're all over it. I I don't like hate in any
1: form or fashion. I just to me, as long as you're not causing any harm, I have no problem with you. Sure. but good old fashioned sports hate, I love it. Like I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a wounded to the tomb Cowboys fan. I hate the Eagles. I'm gonna hate them until mm-hmm. I die. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they hate us. Well, I I think that's healthy as long as. Like, the best crowds, whether you're at a a show, like a a music show, a sports, sporting event, whatever, has the hint of fear because of the mob, but nothing happens, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the best. It adds excitement to it. There was a hint of, I hope nobody does anything stupid. You know, don't throw anything at anybody. Don't say anything too out of bounds. You know what I mean? Like, don't go after Chris Beard necessarily. Like, you you know, almost Mm -hmm. like what happened with the Oklahoma fan in him. It's just like let them know you're there, but don't go, don't go over that line. And to Texas Tech's credit, I mean, they were uh, tailgating all like for, you know, they camped out and tailgate. I was right there. went and, you know, did videos for a local radio show. I did all that. And uh, it, it, it was crazy, but at the game, they didn't go out of bounds. They, they didn't. And uh, it was, it was a game where tech had to win at home. I mean, that's what everyone says. Like, Tech has to win this game at home. If you win the one in Austin too, then hey, that's great. Then you could point at them and laugh. But uh, the one at home, they had to win. They did win. They got some big performances from from uh, you know the, their guys. The crowd was probably worth at least five or six points that that night. And uh, and then to go into Austin and sweep was, I, I think, a lot of fans. What they expressed to me was they felt vindication.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Um definitely what a fun podcast that was for us after that. We came on right afterwards and just was like this is this was amazing. Um I want I want to quickly before we move on to to next year before we move on to next year uh I want to talk about the Duke game a little bit cuz it just feels like this should have been a final four team. Um and Duke just made shots and it was just like you said it's just it felt like there wasn't anything you could do. Duke was is extremely talented. I mean, obviously, all the NBA talent they had, but it felt like this was the perfect matchup to go against Duke with the experience, the defense. Did it feel like a missed opportunity? Did it feel like um, maybe some like this was a Final Four team? Did
1: Tech have the capable capability of going to the Final Four? Absolutely, but I mean, it's Duke. They were talented. They're well coached. Um, being at the game, it reminded me of covering like some really good NBA playoff series where, you you know, everything is scouted. If you find a mismatch, which ultimately was switching on to Bryson Williams, who was on fire. I mean, they he, he tore it up offensively, but defensively they kept basically, you know, pick and roll and then ISO on him. And they were getting buckets after buckets, whether it was a guard going in and scoring off him or breaking him down help in addition for a dunk. I mean, so... I, like, Duke deserved that. I tipped the cap. I mean, they they won that game. I don't feel like it was like a fluke or anything. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Tech had an opportunity, uh, a good enough team, to go to the Final Four. But that's the NCAA tournament. I mean, it, it's yeah. crazy. Things have to pull just into place to get to the Final Four, even when you're really good. at some of Tech's weaknesses came to the forefront, which is, happens in a tournament when you're playing a good team like like Duke. Like, their, their shooting failed them, and they have been very consistent uh, shooting-wise from the perimeter. And then uh, Bryson Williams, was going into the season we already talked about, he wasn't known as a defensive player. And though I don't think it was an effort thing, it's just when you get to that level, that was the mismatch they found and they worked it. Out.
2: Yeah. Um, looking at the turnover real quick, as we go into the offseason now, uh, just an incredible amount of change. I, I, I went and looked at, you know, obviously I read the side and everything like that, and um, – I think we, I, let me just list off the departures here first because it's oh, a lengthy simple. list. Yeah, Bryson Williams, Marcus Santos Silva, Davion Warren, uh, Adonis Arms, Terrence Shannon, Kevin McCuller, Malik Wilson, and Sardar Calhoun. Um, some of those going to the NBA, some going to the transfer portal. Uh, Marcus Santos Silva to the NFL. So all the different ways you can lose players. What what do you think is the reason? uh, for, for the departures and just obviously nothing has to be the reason because it's, you know, college basketball nowadays where every team is doing that. But, um, just what, what did you see in, in those moves?
1: Uh, well, obviously some of them just bring of uh, eligibility, like Adonis Arms has already said he'd be here six years if he could. And boy, I miss him. I, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Adonis Arms. Just on and off the court. Just great. Just a great dude. Just for the record. Bryson Williams too. Uh, but he's, you know, even during the season, first team, all big 12 caliber player. And there's no doubt. I think he was a unanimous choice. Uh, I still thought like, is he really going to translate to the NBA? Just because those, those guys in the NBA are just freaks. You know, there's a, there's a ton of seven foot dudes who are versatile and have crazy range and all that, but I don't know. He's been tearing it up, you know, in camps and on, on, uh, uh, you know, in some of the workouts and everything. So, uh, Maybe he will, you know, uh, but those are two huge losses. Santa Silva, from a culture standpoint, some of the dirty work like uh, Ishmael was talking about, the things he provided that it's huge, it really is. um Kevin McCullough was the tip of the spear of their defense, so that's that's a tough loss. Uh, uh, offensively, he was kind of challenged as a as a point guard and, and as a shooter, but you know, I think that might be one of the reasons he's going to Kansas is that he you know, he wants to improve that, uh, and that's another blood feud. If you don't think Tech fans don't feel betrayed him going in in conference like that to Kansas, they do. You know, we see it on the message board. So that'll be fun as well uh, next season. They have blood feuds everywhere. It, it'll be fun. Uh, but be 12. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, that's Texas Tech in a nutshell. You're either with us or against us. You know, that's that's what they say. So. Uh, uh, Terrence Shannon, you know, um, I don't know. It's kind of complicated, but he is going back home. So that makes sense. And then I think it's also, we it would be uh, dishonest if we didn't say that money plays a big factor. Not that it didn't before NIL, but I mean, it's in our faces now. And I, no matter what we think about it, it is a thing. It's 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 yeah. here. And uh, I know some of those players, just like Texas Tech is a player in the NIL uh, and some of the guys they brought, uh, I think players get a more clear view of how much they're wanted, I guess, and their market value, and that makes their choices more difficult. So it's an interesting college basketball world we find ourselves in right now, that's for sure.
0: Before we get on to some of the additions uh, that they've made, I wanted to ask you about the because it was it was a news story for like a day i think with the terrence shannon situation um kind of how it happened michigan kind of chiming in things like that and so i wanted to like kind of like from your perspective because what i read into it was based on i forgot the player but he tweeted out you know something 100, about 100 dickinson, mark adam man. yeah Hunter uh um dickinson yes um and so yeah. he tweeted out oh mark adams claims to preach so-and-so, whatever, because uh, the story, the the report was, and by all indications, Terrence Shannon was going to Michigan, more or less. Like, that was yeah. the rumor mill. Um, Juwan Howard wanted him, all that stuff. Obviously, it didn't happen. From what I read from the situation, it sounded like he needed some credits that he did not have to get into Michigan, and he would have had to have taken it after he was off scholarship with Tech. And so Mark Adams didn't clear that, which, to me, 99 you, you can you can you can correct me on this if not but uh, my my stance was 99 of the time i'm pro player but also at that point yeah. he's not a player anymore and mark adams had no obligation to say okay yeah you can take some classes here at tech while still not playing for us things like that if in my opinion if michigan wanted him that Jawan Howard could have gone to some benefactor and say, hey, can you throw this kid 5,000 bucks so he can take a summer class? But um, I don't know. Could you clarify any of that for for any of us?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you're pretty much on it. And I mean, I, this is where I've, I'm i with you too. I'm, I'm very much from the perspective of players a lot, which I don't know if a lot of guys who cover teams are, are that way. Sure. To sure. be honest, I mean, mostly from the coach's perspective, I just can't help it. That's the way I look at it. But in, in this specific example, I mean, imagine you're Mark Adams in this scenario where you... Pay for Terrence Shannon to take these summer courses. Let him come work out at the at your in, at your practice facility. All of that goes to Michigan. Then you play them in the Sweet Sixteen, and he torches you for thirty. You got to come right. back to your fan base and like, hey, you helped with that. Now I'm not saying it would be a direct contribution, but I mean you. I mean Tech did just play Michigan in the Sweet Sixteen in 2018, so I mean it's not. It could happen. It just. Sure. I did it. I mean they're competing, and it's high stakes, big business. So yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously he didn't have a hard time transferring to Illinois within the same conference. They were able to make it work. So without having to get Texas tech help them, I mean, I mean, that makes no sense to me. And and I don't know the player, but sometimes we have all these social media platforms. We say things without knowing what we're talking about, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. So, and I've probably been guilty of that before too. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I was about to say that tweet got deleted pretty uh, pretty quickly too, but uh, my other yeah. thing was like, I don't know, man. It's twenty twenty two. Cheat like <laughs> like you figure it's figure hot. something what? out with admissions me, to, if you want. Like how... Have- I'm sorry, no offense. Juwan Howard should know all about making things work to go to school in Michigan. Virginia. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, so really, like I don't know. Do I, I had the exact same thought process. Like, I was like, Do you think Brad Underwood was like, ah, oh, he needs some he needs some credits to get into Illinois? Like, he's like, No, make this work. About? <laughs> sorry, my bad. I couldn't, I couldn't. I was like, are we really letting admissions get in the way in 2022? I didn't, I didn't think this was still a... That was still a thing. Yeah, <laughs> Here's another thing. Here's another thing too. Is yeah,
1: like yeah. guys don't fail out in football or basketball anymore. You notice that? One of my writers and no. Matt, you know, Joe Yeager was saying like everybody is just smart now. You know, everybody just goes to class now all the time. Right? Oh, he failed. He's ineligible. Like, right. no, that's. I mean, everyone's playing the game. So that that whole story was just kind of weird. I, there's yeah. something there. That we don't know. I, I that's sure. normally there's if there's something be. that doesn't that doesn't sound right or doesn't pass the smell test, usually it's because you don't have all the information.
0: Yeah, there's it, got to be. I want to see the face on Juwan Howard when they told him that he didn't have the credits to get into Michigan. <laughs> right. um, but no, uh, I do want to talk about the the additions though, because you guys made some very interesting ones. You mentioned uh, uh, Devion Harmon, who um, I remember from from Guyer and watching him. I didn't really see him at Oregon, but when he was at Oklahoma, I saw him a couple times. Um, mm. There was also the kid from, uh, Utah Valley. Um, I cannot pronounce his name, uh, but he's a pretty big addition, uh, uh, whack player of the year, I believe. Yeah. And so, um, and then of course you guys got a big commit over the, over the week from, uh, I believe Elijah Mitchell, is that correct?
2: Elijah Fisher. uh,
0: Fisher. Fisher, Sorry. Yes. Um, so, you know, you guys seem to be reloading. What are, who are some of the guys out of this bunch, you know, me and Bruni have kind of opinions on Demian Harmon's fit, you know, how he kind of exactly will work with this team. Um, but I think that there's clear, like, immediate, immediate uh, impact talent coming in.
1: Yeah, and this may sound weird to people that's not around the program and don't, you know, we live this every day, you know, the Texas mm-hmm. Tech basketball program. But and we had a discussion uh, amongst the staff in the kind of a roundtable story of just, is this roster, this new roster on paper better than last year? And we all think it is. And in, in terms of on paper talent, I mean, offensively it's better. There's size. I mean, you mentioned Bardahl's a which which, uh, yeah, I sound ridiculous saying his name, but uh, that's the way I, I've been told it was pronounced. It's pronounced. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I never heard of Utah Valley before, to be honest. Never heard of it. Uh, but that's he whack,
0: was.
2: Right? Yeah, but. Yeah.
1: I, have you ever watched Utah Valley play? I mean, I, ha- I have
0: never watched Utah Valley. Wait,
2: hey, we have we have some whack schools in the whack that we cover on this podcast. Okay, so <laughs> okay. so I might have well, seen a bad. couple Utah, <laughs> Utah Valley games oh, in there. Man. He might have made a three. I've like, hey, you
1: know, never heard of Utah Valley, but he averaged nineteen points, uh, fourteen rebounds, a block and a half. Uh, I mean, Tech was battling like Gonzaga and some of the other you know top tier uh, or you know top 20 level teams uh, in the country mm-hmm. and you know, they won them over because of that whole defensive thing uh, and, and just Mark Adams and his staff, the way they are. Uh, but Davion Harmon, those two, I mean, you got the, the, again, the darty shifty score first guard, which I think really you need to make that deep run in the tournament. I really do. I think that makes the difference in a victory or loss, like in that sweet 16 game uh, in, in Duke and Texas tech. So defensively we'll see how that works, but those are two huge additions. Uh, Elijah Fisher has been a phenom for most of his life, uh, yeah. but he comes from Toronto. Uh, there were some questions about some competition at one point, but, I mean, he's been tearing it up no matter on all kinds of circuits and, you know, AAU or summer leagues and all that stuff. Uh, six 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 seven. 6'7", uh, more of an inside score. He's not an outside scorer. Uh, I think he's going to be a very good defender in this system. Uh, that's, I think that's a key. He's going to be a guy to get a lot of steals, get out on the break, uh, athletic finisher. Uh, he, uh, he's a replacement for Terrence Shannon in a lot of ways, especially when Shannon was young and really more drove to the basket. So great finishing in, uh, in, with contact. Uh, Devontae Williams is a guy that's – or Demarion Williams, excuse me. Demarion Williams from Gardner-Webb, uh, efficient shooter. Uh, 38% from three, uh, 41% from the field. I think around 70 or 80% from the free throw line. average 10 points a game. Very good defender. Exactly what Texas Tech needs out of like that kind of that roster spot. Uh, and then they have some high school guys I really like. Lamar Washington is a, is a four-star shooting guard coming from uh, Portland, Oregon. He was also a three-star recruit uh, in football. I mean, he had offers from like USC and some some big programs. So very good athlete. Uh, made a late push up our, our rankings at 24-7 sports because he, he was tearing it up uh, late there. And then Pop Isaacs, I mean, is that kind of creator, facilitator-type guard that Tech just didn't have last year, quite honestly. Uh, and hasn't had really since – even Keenan Evans wasn't really – I mean, he was a good facilitator, but not in this vein. He was more of a score-first guy back in 2017. So Tech really hadn't had this kind of guy in this – era of success. So uh, I'm leaving some guys out, but man, Texas tech is uh, adding some really good pieces. And uh, overall, I really feel like on paper, how they come together, we'll have to see and that will tell the tale, but on paper, this team is more talented.
2: I've I've spent the last while you were talking the last couple minutes, trying to debate this in my head now, because now you put it in there and I, I just, I can't decide now. I've obviously you you have a better understanding of this team than I do. I have to, I'd have to look at Fardos um, and whatnot. It's Jalen Tyson's another player I think is real interesting. Bring him in from I, Texas. I, I'm not
1: him. Yes, I, yes.
2: Yeah, no, he's he's really. Um, so you look at the backcourt and you're Davion Harmon, Jalen Tyson, Clarence Nadolny's back, uh, Isaac's the, the freshman you mentioned. yet that's a that's a backcourt that I think is real could be real exciting and could like you said get give you a lot more scoring punch than last year's team.
1: Yeah, I can't believe I didn't mention Jalen Tyson. He might, be, he might be the leading scorer up there. He's had a great – like, since he transferred, he's had uh, a great off season. I mean, he, he transferred yeah. was with the team and traveled with him in the tournament. I mean, I remember seeing him. He had put on some really good weight since he got to Tech. I mean, he's huge now. But, uh, moving, he looks like a Big 12 wing, basically, already. Yeah. even though he's really young. And he's a three-level scorer, very talented guy. I mean, again, I can't believe I didn't mention him. But in Clarence Adalny, it's one of those things. And, man, I know you know how this goes. Uh, maybe he's back. Maybe he's not. We're going to have to see. It's going to depend on some things with the transfer portal and, and then Clarence mm-hmm. too. So I love Clarence Adalny. He's tough. Uh great defender. Uh, I mean, it, he doesn't take anything from a seven footer. You know what I mean? He'll try and go, he'll go yeah. nose to chest with a seven footer. You know, he's just not, he's just, We call him the French bulldog. I love Clarence. So. I hope he does. <laughs> well, come even back, when, he does
2: come back, but... yeah, well, even when there were the injuries in the middle of the season, I mean, y'all be tech beat Baylor without a bunch of the players and Clarence and slid in there real well. Um, uh, Kevin O'Banner, Daniel Baccio returning. I was high on Baccio. In the non-conference, I could see why he didn't play in conference. It's just kind of a different animal. But I was like, okay, there's some potential here for him as just a seven-foot big, just kind of clogging up the paint. Um, what, what what do you think of Bacho and O'Banner coming back? Well,
1: O'Banner is a walking double-double. I think he's put up a double-double yeah. in every tournament game he's played in, whether it was a War Roberts or a Tech. I mean, he, he had a 15-point, 14-rebound game against Notre Dame in the second round, where Tech doesn't advance, they had a terrible shooting game. It was bizarre. They were missing point blank, wide open layups. I think it was freakish. When I was right there. I couldn't believe it. I mean, you don't see good high school teams miss those kind of shots. Uh, it wasn't like anything. Notre Dame wasn't playing great. Notre Dame doesn't play a lot of defense. I mean, they'll tell you know. Uh, it just for missing shots. It was weird. But Banner was like the stadium force. To get him back is huge, and I think he has the potential to be a lot better. Uh, Batcho. What happened to him was he got COVID in the season, and he and he got hurt too. So it was he couldn't get it together. Like he he was getting better and better and better, and then bam. And that's really been the story of Batcho. Is like at Arizona, you know, he was a four-star guy. They respect a lot of things, and he had a couple of injuries that set him back. So if he can stay healthy, then uh, I think he has a lot of potential. At, he's really athletic for a seven-footer. I mean, looking at the roster. Even just last year, I thought he might have the most potential in terms of the highest ceiling to be an NBA player just because of his length and athleticism and all that. But he, he needs to he needs to come on with his development and develop like a yeah. you know little baby hook, some little go-to post move rather than just, just be a finisher and shot blocker and got to the court.
0: I think one of the things that for me this season could really separate Beard's develop or uh, Adam's development from Beard is I think how he handles some of these incoming, like we mentioned, uh, uh, Fisher, we mentioned uh, somebody like uh, Jalen Tyson, who's on his second stint, but still is kind of a highly touted prospect. One of the things that I think always kind of underwhelmed me about Beard, and he's gonna have a chance to do this at Texas when he has he has a couple five stars coming in from high school. I don't, aside from Jemias Ramsey, I don't think he really hit a lot of he, he wasn't really on the same wavelength as a lot of the t- highly touted recruits. I'm thinking of, obviously, namari Burnett as well. Um, Micah Peavy really didn't hit. Um, and, again, it really is just J- uh, that Jemias Ramsey who happened to be, like, his perfect type of player. Um, yeah. I'm wondering, you know, I'll be kind of keeping an eye on that, how Tyson does, how Fisher does under Adams versus – and then uh, 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 Artario Morris uh, at Texas – I'm really curious to see where that, because I think that's where, that's where I think Beard's one, I don't say glaring weakness, but like things where I was like, oh, I'm gonna keep an eye on that, versus how Adams handled the, handles those situations, because I know um, Ulrich Malagi played a big part in like recruiting a lot of the, those guys too, but I'm just wondering like, especially how that Namari Burnett thing like flamed out really quickly. Um, you know, highest tattered recruit ever, all of a sudden he's just not playing and then he's gone. So um, I'm curious if that's something you're going to be watching too, or if that's something you've had like questions about too.
1: Yeah. And again, you know, we live with this every day and, uh, you know, we talk about it on the message board and all that. And I talk about it in the community and people stop me. Hey, what's going on with this? Why is this happening? You know, Uh, here's my theory on Beard. First off, uh, I know there's a lot of hatred with Chris Beard and all that, but he's done some things for me personally and and shown a lot of grace with me. Uh, when I've had some tough times, my family's had some tough times, which I respect and appreciate. He is a great coach. Uh, he did is a big part of the basketball story at Texas Tech. Um, mm-hmm. So that has to be said. That's the base. But Beard isn't for everyone, just like Bob Knight wasn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think history has shown that. I mean, I don't have to just say it. I mean, history has shown that um, he's had some run-ins with players. And, it, and it's not just the the high-end or the highly rated players, but certainly it, it has been. Um, he's very impatient. He's impatient. He doesn't let big guys develop. I mean, there have been some big guys that were here for a year, didn't see the court, they left, and then had success uh, elsewhere. Uh, so, and he doesn't have patience with uh, younger, highly or, or younger players. It's like he, yeah. there is a developmental problem where his impatience impacts some guys. Now, on the other, on the other hand, he came in and inherited like the Keenan Evans. Um, I, that whole class, Zach Smith, all those guys, Noren Zodiassi, and he elevated them. So, the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. But I, that is definitely a storyline that, if I'm at Texas, I'm covering that. And if we're being honest with our fan base, then you know, with with the the team we covers fan base, then you you have to talk about that because it is a thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked about on this podcast all, all the whole time. It's like the the underperforming of you know couple of Texas top players uh, when we move in here. so it's, an, it's always an interesting development to look at that when you talk about especially now it's that it's Adams um, at Texas Tech and how he kind of plays that. Um, I think we can you know start start look uh, to wrap this up just looking at expectations for next year. obviously, like you said on paper this is a team that should should be just as good if not if not better than, next, than last year's team and it's Mark Adams second year. Um, where are you starting to put the floor at for this team as you start to just look at them as a whole? Obviously you still have, we still have an off season to go and like five months beforehand, but where do you start to put the floor for this team?
1: Yeah, this team should, this program is at a place where it should go to the tournament every year. I mean, that's where it's at, you know? So I think that's the floors. Like uh, you know, it should be at least middle of the pack, big 12 and go to the NCAA tournament. Now, the ceiling, I hate to put a ceiling on a, you know, a program that's been to the Sweet 16 so many times over the years, went to the, you know, was seconds away from winning a national championship. I know a lot has changed since then, that's for sure, personnel-wise, coaching staff-wise, but that's just where Texas Tech is is right now as a program that they expect to be one of the top 15 teams in the country, top 20 teams in the country, and compete for an in, in-conference and make a tournament run. So where – how they actually end up just depends on so many things with chemistry, which how can we possibly predict that? I mean, a lot of the guys just moved in, uh, you know, and some aren't even here yet. So they have to come together in a hurry like they did last year. Um, And then they have to stay healthy. All these things, figure out the rotation. Um, There's so many things to throw in there, but I think another, I mean, Challenging in the Big Twelve for a title and making another run to the Sweet Sixteen or further is definitely possible with with this roster that David Mass and they're not done yet. They may add. They're going to add at least one more, if not two more, through the transfer portal.
2: Yeah. Um, last thing I have to add this on here. Uh, the Davion Harmon aspect of this is is real interesting uh, because we we've talked about this. We talked. We I like. We said we didn't watch him a lot of Oregon at Oklahoma and Denton guy Like I covered him in person, at Denton Geyer. We know him real well. Um, in that regard, is it going to be his role to come in and try to be a scoring guard? You think is it going to be a playmaking yeah. guard? Just how do you see his role kind of coming in and fitting fitting with this team uh, initially? I think,
1: to, I think they they wanted to be a scoring guard. I mean that's what he is. I mean I remember him in Oklahoma. He had one of those unconscious games where. Uh, Tech just couldn't do anything. Oklahoma won that game because they just—he wasn't going to miss. You know, uh, the thing is though, they don't—he—they don't have to have him go off for 15 to 20 a night for Tech to win because of their defense, uh, and because they have brought in other scores, they're going to be able to score from multiple different places, from multiple places, multiple parts of the of the court. They just hired a new assistant coach to play, and their offense is going to look very different. It's gonna be more of the they're going for it at least you gotta have the personnel, but they're going for like the five out, Golden State type mm-hmm. and kind of spread the four. They're gonna they want to put up a lot of threes, so it's gonna look different next year, uh, offensively. And you gotta have players who can shoot. I mean, you gotta have players who can fill it up to do that. And Harmon's a yeah. part of that. You know how what they sacrifice defensively, which is an honest question. That was my first thought when they when they were targeting Harmon too. Uh, we'll have to see. You know, but yeah. we had a lot of questions about some of these players, which you already mentioned, like Bryson Williams, uh, Kevin O'Banner. And we've seen year after year them bringing guys who didn't play defense or weren't known for defense, at least, uh, in their previous spot, come in and elevate that that part of their, their game. And these guys know coming into the program that if you don't play defense, you're not going to play. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. It could be Elijah Fisher, a five-star recruit, or Davion Harmon coming in from Oregon. If you don't play defense – you're not going to play. So that's – and that is the culture of Texas Tech.
2: Yeah, there you go. Uh, man, that was great insight. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, give us great insight on Texas Tech as a team and uh, kind of your perspective from last year. So, Jared, we appreciate you having – we appreciate having you on, man. Uh, best of luck uh, throughout this off season and uh, into the Texas Tech football year uh, for you all too.
1: Yeah. Crazy times. Uh, Thanks for having me. Y'all are great, man. I'll do this anytime. Just, just let me know. Awesome. Appreciate it, man.